This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Rebecca Heath, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Rebecca is a writer living and working in Adelaide. She wrote several young adults under the name Beck Nicholas, which were published in Australia and Germany. Her debut novel for adults, The Summer Party, is an atmospheric psychological thriller about a glamorous family living on the coast of southern Australia. Do you know what drew my interest to this is writing about rich people because not many people do it. Um, I did. It, there's the contrast because my main character is not rich, although she's no. desperate to be so. It's that real yeah. falling in love with a lifestyle and a desperate want to have the easy, better life that the other half seem to live without necessarily appreciating that everyone has problems and that yeah. nothing comes easily necessarily, although money can do a hell of a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, you know. I'm, uh, I've often thought about this, and and people, you know, I hear people saying, "Oh, you know, I wish I lived in a house on the beach or whatever." And I always think that there, at some point, you have as much money as you need, hopefully, you know. And it doesn't have to be a lot of money. I agree with that, and I think there gets to a point where more money just creates its own problems and expectations of a certain way to live and a way to be and how everyone perhaps perceives you. And I think that's where I've gone with the book in terms of there's a family and the kids aren't happy because of the money they have. They've got expectations and they've got, they can't be themselves because they feel like as the rich people in the town, not that they're entirely sympathetic, but they do, the the young people can bring a fair bit of it onto themselves, but they feel like they're forced into these boxes and a certain way to be, and they can't be vulnerable and they can't, let everything fall apart because they've got every benefit and luxury life has to offer. And mm. if you've got all that, you can't drop everything and drop out and be an artist. You need to do something more with your life. You need to set an example or you need to be the kind of person that people look up to. So I have my main character looking up to them, but then we see glimpses of the reality that they don't want to be put on a pedestal necessarily. Mm. Um, Did you watch Succession? No, I haven't. Oh, right, okay. There's a bunch of rich people that you don't want to be, that's for sure. Yeah, I think it's that real, the perception of how life might be. You're really, really, really well off and money just isn't an issue and Mm. perhaps that's not reality and that kind of my main character longing for that and by her adulthood almost not quite that level of richness but she does kind of get to the point of being wealthy and goes, oh, maybe this wasn't what I wanted after all. Mm. Mm. I can definitely understand that. So tell me about how you came to writing because you were writing fiction for young adult. Is that right? Yes, I, I came to 
I think like lots of us do, I came to writing the long way, the way where I was a There's reader. There's no easy way. <laughs> no, I was, I was a reader growing up in a single parent family with everything hand-me-down. So my sisters are much older than me. I have 11 and 7 years older sisters and so the books I read. How many older sisters did you say? Uh, they're 11 years older and 7, so two, oh, okay, two sisters. Two. Okay, I thought you said baby. 11 sisters for a minute there. <laughs> and they, so I just read all their books. So they weren't perhaps age inappropriate, but I just read everything I could. And I think my favourite memory is reading next to mum in bed on a Sunday morning and she'd read her Jackie Collins and I'd read whatever I could find. Writing was always my favourite thing at school and I had no idea that that could be a path I could take. I didn't even consider it. I was also good at science and I did science at university. I actually missed kind of a third of year 12 glandular fever and I had a brilliant chemistry teacher who saw me in her own home and she was one of those teachers who takes the time to really help and so I did chemistry at uni and then I did a PhD in chemistry at uni and just kept going on that path and then I kind of thought I would go into research because that was the path to take that everyone around I was with some the most amazing scientific brains, I always felt a bit lost and I would sit there in a lab and we would have these eight-hour laser experiments where these vacuum systems would run and I would write stories. And these brilliant people around me would go to the whiteboard and read differential calculus for fun, which I was always struggling with. Like I kept up. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) And they would be like, let's go and solve this math problem. And I'd be like, I'll just write another story sitting over here waiting for my, and I just always wrote as my, because the experiments were long and boring in some parts. And then towards the end of my PhD, my mum got really sick and she passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry. That kind of made me go, the most important thing Mm. is not kind of getting whatever idea is of a good job. It's kind of family and people and being trying to be happy because she was 57 and I was 22 and it's like life doesn't, you know, necessarily you can't kind of one day live a dream. You have to try and make the best of the time that you have. And so when I um, finished my PhD, I did teaching because I thought that would be more flexible to have a family and then went three kids in three and a half years Mm -hmm. and went... I need some time for me. And so I just wrote, I Mm. did online courses, I, you know, in and around three kids' different sleep schedules and I was a bit overwhelmed by them and it was just having that time for me and I kind of didn't really look at science again from then. Mm. And because they were so close and they had some health challenges, we kind of said if I could get published by the time my youngest hit school that I could continue writing and I think my first YA sold about a week before my youngest started school. Oh, wow. I just want to go back to your mum, and I'm I'm so sorry. My mum died this year, and she was a lot, lot older than that. But it's so formative, isn't it, the death of a parent, the death of a mother particularly, don't you think? Well, I think it changes everything. They're just a cornerstone and they're just yeah. so much of myself was around who I was in relation to mum yeah. and so much of my, without even, I mean, I was only 22, so you don't really think, mm. like you still, your brain's not formed properly, science says and things like that. And you think you have so much time and I think my father actually passed away two months ago and you still think you have so much time no matter what their age is and there's all these things you haven't asked and things you haven't done 
mm-hmm. things you haven't said. And mm-hmm. it just, I think it really changed my perspective on what I wanted because all the way through school I'd been academic and not that your parents thing. pushed you into that direction. No, no mum mum was a hairdresser and dad yeah. were like they weren't yeah. they weren't yeah. academic at all. I was the first one in go to uni in my kind of family. And oh, wow. they were just like, life's too short to work to focus on that as the be end and all, you know. I was I was really I really liked science. I had some mm. work with some great people, but mm. I just decided that pursuing that academic path, which would have required me to be overseas from the rest of my family and to drag my then husband around and probably put off having kids and things like that, it just wasn't worth it to me mm. at that point. Mm. Um, Do you think too um, losing um, your mum um, influenced the fact that you had three children? Because I have seen that a bit where people lose their parents early and end up having a few children. I think there was, and actually I Almost was tempted because I was already married. I was able to, I did the, we actually we were going to get married about a year later and the doctor said she wasn't very well and we managed to plan our whole wedding in two weeks and got married and flew my husband's twin brother in from Japan and we just did it all and it was just, your priorities change and family becomes everything. Hmm. I want to go back to how you got your first book published. I mean, because uh, you just don't write a book and say, okay, and I'm going to get that published. You kind of skimmed over that. <laughs> uh, no, I um, I wrote lots of books and I've always written and I guess it's one of those things where it kind of almost just turned out that YA was the first thing that got published because from reading everyone's leftovers, like my sister's boyfriend's science fiction books, you know, when she was 18 and I was 11, uh, to mum's mills and bones, to um, anything I could get from the library. I remember an English teacher saying, I had an English teacher in about year 10 that hated genre fiction, hated genre fiction with a fa- with a passion and just wanted me to read literary. I was quite a fast reader. And I'm like, okay, if I can read, I think whatever we had, 40 school weeks, I was like, if I can read 40 books that you approve of, can I then put other books? And I remember my joy with putting down one of mum's Danielle Steele books because um, mm-hmm. I'd read so many that she couldn't argue with that on my reading list. So I've always read and written across genres. So when I was writing those stories in the lab while I was waiting for my experiments to run, I read and wrote different things. And I actually I did different courses, romance writing courses, short story courses, things like that. Online stuff is so amazing because with three kids it's hard to get out anywhere. Mm-hmm. still is mm-hmm. and they're teenagers now. And I've been writing a lot of women's fiction-y romance and the odd bit of crime and then I wrote a YA for fun and that was the one I met Hayley Nash I think it was at a Romance Writers of Australia conference and pitched to her and it sold through that Sue Brockoff from Harlequin bought it and that's where that started and then I did three with them and they were excellent and then they changed direction with publishing YA not doing Australian YA anymore. So I kind of went, I'll start again. And I tried to keep kind of going with YA because I had a platform, but I wanted to write other things. And so when I was trying to find an agent, it was my crime book that found the agent and went from there. Mm. Okay, so you crossed over from YA to adult crime. Talk to me about that transition. Uh, it was, it's different. It's a whole different language and I think because I read across genres and because there's I think we've all got different facets of self anyway like if you just 
I mean, I know if I have a conversation with my child versus my child's teacher versus my mother-in-law, there's very different me's that speak. There's different ways of speaking, different language even. And I think mm-hmm. it's just, for me, writing was like slipping into those other head spaces. So I found once I was in that genre, quite straightforward, although I do still have uh, some young point of view. I do have some teen point of view because I do think that there's so much happens and I do find crime books where things happen in formative years really interesting because mm-hmm. it shapes. We're so vulnerable and angsty and there's so much of the world to discover when you're a teenager and I think it can be really, really formative. And mm-hmm. in the I summer totally party, agree. Yeah, totally agree. In the summer party, it's this girl spends one summer at this town with this family and it shapes who she is. She decides that that's what she wants to be in life and as she grows up she's kind of her whole life is working towards this ideal of what what success looks like and Mm. it shapes you it might be when you're 15 it might be when you're 23 all still very young I think and then it forms who you are and it can be very hard to change that trajectory. Mm. You said writing them was very different. Talk to me. Did you go away and, and do a course on changing? I did. I did a, yeah. the Australian Writers' Centre. I knew um, you were going to say that. You seem <laughs> like a very disciplined person. I, I do like to study. I've always found <laughs> yeah. studying works. I kind of have a feel that you can not learn anything completely, but that study helps. Taking on what other you don't reinvent the wheel. If you can learn from others, Plus have, I mean, I'd already written three books, but like published three books, but I felt like a newbie in terms of the genre. And I really felt, even though I'd read a lot over the years and amongst mm-hmm. everything else, I really felt I needed to understand where the genre was coming from. And mm-hmm. it also allowed me to meet a group of people, like, because I have lots of writing friends who are, most of them write women's fiction, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but I needed to be able to talk to people that were writing what I was writing and I was able to find a group of people through the course and we still meet every Monday night online and chat and so you know I have a critique partner who writes women's fiction but it's nice to have the you know crime group that we meet and discuss Mm. all the elements of crime writing that perhaps are a bit different Mm. although story is story to a certain Mm. degree as well. Mm. Absolutely. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I've got to confess, and I know I've spoken about this before on the podcast, but I often think how safe would I feel with a crime writer at night? Very, because we already (laughs) imagined every single scenario that could go wrong and probably planned for it, or I do anyway. So (laughs) I'm an an overthinker. Um, I do, like at the moment, 
in South But you're Australia. thinking about it. You're thinking about it. You, you, you know, you're right. Uh, characters that um, are unsavory, for instance. I am one of those people, and I love crime. It's it's a, it's a really favorite genre of mine. But I am um, I'm a scaredy cat as well, and also I'm one of those people. Even if I'm watching a film or reading a book or whatever, and even though I have worked in publishing, I can't see past the story, right? And if I'm watching the film, I can't see, you know, people I watch films with or TV or whatever say, oh, you know, and I wonder where the camera was. I don't see any of that. I only see story. So if I'm reading crime at home alone, it's I have to get up and check the windows, check the doors, check that the front door is locked, <laughs> all of those things. And then I think to myself, what kind of person is that author? <laughs> I, I do do a lot of door checking because I have a worst-case scenario imagination anyway. I do have a bit of catastrophic thinking, so I do tend to think what's the worst that could happen just in everyday life. I do, at the moment, we've got, um, we have friends that have a place near the river and they're you know, the water levels are climbing from interstate and, mm-hmm. you know, the shack's going under and it's kind of my oh. my thing is I'm already going, okay, what's, what is being washed away there? And they're just like, we're worried about our home. And I'm like, I'm worried about your home too, but also what could be washed down the stream mm-hmm. and, and that's just how my brain works at the moment, which is maybe it's a bit scary. But <laughs> I like in crime, I think, the edge of not so much a serial killer but the where but for a bad decision go I. Like how far does an ordinary person have to be pushed before those series of small decisions that seem very reasonable at the time, like, yes, that's reasonable that she would react like that then and then, okay, that's reasonable there and then suddenly where you end up is a long way from where you started and perhaps Mm. the Mm. actions in isolation seem very unreasonable but to get there it's all quite small steps Mm. and ordinary people can do things under pressure that they may not otherwise do. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. Um, do you research? How do you do your research? Uh, it depends. Uh, in in the summer party, I spent some time. I actually uh, based it on because my mum um, was a single mum working really and I had older sisters but they went home a lot. I had to go and stay with my grandmother in the summer and I had to go and stay with my aunties and they had a what now would be a millions and millions of dollar shack on the beach, but was literally a shack on the beach. Like you walked out the front door and you step on the sand. Like, And now places there are going in the multi-millions, but it was worth nothing then. It was too far away from Adelaide for anyone to be interested. They lived in the country and I got to spend my summers there just playing and I kind of, so that was the setting for me that's just in my head. And with the rich stuff, I did have to do a fair bit of research, but that's pretty fun finding beautiful houses on you know the top 10 houses in you know overlooking Sydney Harbour or whatever just trying to see how the other half lived and then think of course they wouldn't just have a limo they'd have a helicopter Mm. and just thinking I did actually kind of start rich and then I had to go okay needs to not just be what I think of as well off needs to be that next level um, Mm. to really set these people apart. Mm. I stayed um, many years ago now, pre-COVID. Um, I used to, free, you know, go to New York and I'd stay in Williamsburg in this really lovely apartment that I'd house swap. Anyway, I would see all these helicopters go by in the morning and I wondered for, for quite a while, you know, why that was such a busy path. But then I found out just from talking to someone in a bar that they are actually commuting. It's and I was blown away. It's impossible, isn't it? 
I just thought I would never have even guessed that. And and that's kind of where I had to go because that was one of the things I did have to build up because my, to me, Rich is having someone drive you. Like that's just like, oh, my goodness, a, sh- a chauffeur would be rich. But <laughs> it's, that's not really, you know, I really had to do a bit of, which wasn't hard, you know, looking yeah. into the lifestyles of the rich and famous and see what that next level that I couldn't even comprehend, you know, because yeah. to me having someone pick me up to take me out to dinner would be amazing but I wouldn't have even imagined the helicopter kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. With the summer party, so you've written a new genre. Did you and your agent have to go out and kind of resell you, if you like, from because you'd changed genres? Talk to me about that process. So I'd been, I was trying with my YA because, and I was writing other things at the same time um, mm-hmm. because I don't like to sit and wait and think too much. Mm-hmm. And then I actually wrote a book, another crime book, and I just felt so at home in a different way than yeah. I ever had writing before. And I wrote a book, um, which I'm actually hoping will be the next book that I have out. And I had interest, unlike anything when I'd put out before, I had requests within a half an hour of sending it out, that wow. kind of thing, which yeah. was quite different for me. And and then, of course, it was COVID. So I, that's how I got my agent in the UK. She was an agent that I'd heard of through someone else that was really enjoying working with her and she was looking for crime. So I sent her and she uh, offered within a couple of days and seemed like a really good fit. Yeah. And then COVID came and we just couldn't sell it. We had so much interest in this book and it got so close and uh, still a bit of a book of my heart. But while I was waiting for all that to happen, I wrote, the summer party and oh, that right. kind of was how it worked with us and that's um, all quickly reasonably quickly right okay. and but the the other one had had a lot of good feedback but it just didn't quite get over the line so we mm. we kind of start she said we could we'd rather just go out again because I had the summer party written and we found a home with that fairly quickly mm. um and so your approach to writing in your day-to-day work, I would probably say you're not a pantser, right? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that. So you, you, what's the other one? A plotter, I think. Tell me how your approach worked daily, writing work. Uh, I probably actually hit somewhere in the middle because I don't like to know too much of the story. Okay. So what I like to think of is I have a certain, I write a lot, a fair bit about character and motivation and what they want. And I really, without necessarily writing a lot about uh, their eye colour and stuff, although I write that down so I don't forget it. I think a lot about the characters and until they're fully formed in my brain and then I set them off. They need to have a high enough starting point with a lot to lose and a lot they want to gain. And I know a few things that happen on the way and I write a lot of notes and then I deviate from that a fair bit, which is maybe a bit like setting my path in science and deviating from that a fair bit. And I tend to do writing sprints with my tech partner. She's in Perth and we log in and I have a couple of hours ahead of her generally and we just write for half an hour, report our word count, write for half an hour, report our word count and swap. And do you do that most days? Uh, we do that probably three or four days a week when we're both yeah. drafting. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's um. I, I, I think that's the first time I've heard someone do it that way. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's collaborative in a way, collaborative work-wise. It is. And, yeah, she writes women's fiction and rural romance, so quite, yeah. quite different. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, she, we both read across genres. So, And I've been, we've been reading each other's work. We met, we both did an online course when our 
about a year before our youngest was born and they're 13, so about 14 mm. years ago. We mm. um, we both did an online course in the U- US and we just started chatting and mm. we kind of write quite a bit together. Do you know, there's been a, a, a trend, an observational trend of mine, and it's only me that's talking about this at the moment, but a lot of writers, and, you know, as we know, there's been a huge surge of um, female writers, not just in this country, I think globally, getting published, a lot of female crime, and a lot of women's fiction and all sorts of genres, um, fantasy, and a lot of the people that I speak to, a lot of the women that I speak to start writing when they have children. Now, for me, that just seems so overwhelming. Like, wow, that's the hardest, one of the hardest jobs on earth. And then you throw on top of that another hard job. I think for me it was I felt, particularly with having three so close together, that I was losing my identity. I had relied on being an academic and being, you know, someone that was at uni and that was who I was and then suddenly I was being consumed by three people that needed me constantly and I just needed to find something that was me and and not them and carve that time out and my husband was very supportive in doing all those things which are just his job as well but he of course he was yeah. doing it uh, around his day job but he gave me time and support to do the courses and, and things like that. Which... But you, were you fatigued? Were you sleep deprived or did you start a bit later? Uh, I think it was when it was before my youngest was born. So I probably oh, had right. a, a two, yeah. and, two and a zero year old was when I, I, was, I met my critique partner. So I was already trying to write when my son was born and he's now 15. Um, yeah, well. So it was right in the middle of that and just carving out time in the day but otherwise you lose yourself I think that's Mm. what I was finding Mm. maybe that's the reason they've done it so uh, will you continue with crime fiction do you think I yes that's where all my ideas are at the moment I wouldn't say I'd never write a different genre because I still read across genres I still I have teenagers so I read what they're reading a little bit when I can fit it in and I read women's fiction and rural romance to keep up with what's happening elsewhere and I read non-fiction and I read science fiction, so it mm-hmm. depends. But at the moment I've got so many ideas that want to be written and it really is that, you know, you're talking about locking the doors and, and thinking like a crime writer and that's the way my brain's thinking all the mm-hmm. time at the moment. So I really do feel like I've kind of come home and found a place where my writing brain wants to be, uh, even though I still like to read everything. So do you mind sharing with us, Rebecca, who your writing partner is, Who who's the person you work with? Uh, we have a small group that all used to write together, but lately uh, it's more just uh, Rachel Johns is my critique partner. I think. Oh, we said. love Rachel. We uh, and you know our readers and our listeners at Better Reading just love Rachel, and she is so hardworking. I think she said that um, in her talks when I interviewed her when she was here in Adelaide on her work wives tour. I think she said I'm the only person other than maybe her mum who's read every book she's ever written. And I've read quite a few she hasn't published that she tried out before, but it's such a joy to read Rachel's work. And we actually, we've been kind of reading each other's work for so long that we do have a game of finish that sentence where sometimes Rachel will send me a paragraph and say, what am I trying to say at the end here? And so I'll finish her sentence, but not in the way I would, but just in the way I know that she would because I've read so much of her work and I love her voice and I love the unique way that she puts words together. Um, and the generosity of spirit, like both of you. I mean, that's that's a generous act for both of you, isn't it? 
Yeah, and I think it's a trust. I think it comes. So we met, I think, yeah, so it must be 15 years ago, just about when right. our middle, our children are almost the same ages. So right. our middle two were just born and our youngest were born within three weeks of each other. So we've just, neither of us were published at that point. We were both dabbling with writing different things. We were both trying to write a Mills and Boone suite. I was writing sweet and she was writing spicier. So we were playing and just sharing work and it just, you develop that trust in knowing to put uh, your unedited work into someone else's hands and trust that they're not going to cut you down if you need it, but not going to tell you it's all great if there's a flaw is, mm. I think, a pretty big trust thing to have with someone. Mm. Mm, I love that story. Love it. Uh, my last question, do you miss science? Do you miss chemistry? Do you miss any of that work? Not as much as I thought I might. I have mm. I don't think I could do very good maths when I've tried to help my year 11 chemistry daughter. It's a lot of it's gone. And I love, I love the science. I love the ideas, but I don't miss the hard maths that went with it. And Mm. I still read um, science articles when I have time and find what they're doing amazing. And I actually caught up with my old supervisor, a professor the other day, and I loved hearing what he was doing in the lab, but I have no interest in going back there. (laughs) Well, we say keep writing. Rebecca Heath, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Lovely to meet you. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of ebooks and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.